Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Now it's time to preach. All right, that, that, was, that was sermon number one. I, I don't think I've ever done this before. But that was the, the, the mini sermon, the mini preaching. But I think it was very important that we talk about those things today and now before things continue to move forward in the Middle East. All right, well, okay, good morning, church. <laughs> Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Hebrews 11, 8. We're going to go all the way through verse 10. John Malenga, would you grab a microphone and come up on the platform with, uh, with me right now? The series that I'm sharing with you is called Searching for Me. And this is another uh, message in that series. It's about finding yourself. It's about uh, becoming clear regarding who you are in Christ. It's about defining your purpose and so much more. Uh, but in my men's connect group last, last Monday evening, John Malanga, he he brought something up about an identity statement that he wrote a few years back. And so I asked John to share with us his own identity statement and, and to, to get a little better uh, grip on how this can function in your life and, and how it can work out. So John, John there, there you are. Come on, right. come on, come on. So Hello. tell me, tell me, John. I, you're, you're a lot of fun to be up here with. So what, what's the whole thing behind you coming up with this identity statement? About five or six years ago, Pastor Tim gave a talk uh, about the importance of identity statements and purpose statements. And at that time, five, six years ago, I was like, well, you know, if somebody asked me who I was, I would say, well, you know, uh, I'm a Christian, I'm an attorney, I'm a husband. Like I, I went through the role thing and I found that somewhat unfulfilling. So I decided at that time, I'm not just going to listen to Pastor Tim talk about identity statement. I'm gonna actually dive in and do it. So I dove in, I wrote it, and I started to do exactly what he said to, to you know, first I, I, I wrote it down and look at it, but now I've got it memorized. And, and now I've gotten to a point where I've really incorporated it into my daily life. And the lesson I want to just share with you is that my encouragement to you is to do, actually do this. Don't yeah. just walk out and go, well, that was nice that he talked about this. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on to, you know, what time's the football game? No, I want you to actually do this because it can be a real game changer as it was for me. So, so how did this, creating this identity, state, identity statement, how did it impact your life? I mean, what did it do for you? Well, <clears throat> let, me, let me say this. What it does, it doesn't solve all your problems, okay, first of all. And second of all, I want to say that an identity statement is not affirmations. It's not saying I am blessed, I am strong, because there's two problems with that. Number one... If you just say affirmations, how do you know they're true, right? It could be not true. Second, if you live your life in total rebellion to God and walk around saying, I am blessed, guess what? You're probably not blessed, okay? <laughs> so there's no, there's no grounding in just simply affirmations. Identity statements are different because they're based on truth. They're based on God's word. So why, why does that help you? Well, it doesn't solve your problems, but what it did for me was it oriented my life. That is, it gave me like a certain, a daily like 
orientation toward God so that when I walked out of my house into the world, I was situated correctly in a, in a way that I can face the world with my head screwed on straight. Mm-hmm. And that's what it really does for you. It grounds you. It sets your day right. So, so practically speaking, what I do is before I get out of bed in the morning, I repeat my identity statement uh, verbatim every single day, 365 days a year before I get out of bed so that before I leave to do anything in my day, I know who I am, I know my purpose, yeah. and I know how to fulfill my purpose. Amen? Yeah. So, okay, the, let, let's end the mystery here. What, what is that statement? Okay. <laughs> so, we want to make sure you know how to say it here. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. yeah no, I say it every day. I should be able to get this <laughs> right. My statement's based on three questions. Number one question, who am I? My second question is, what is my purpose? And my third question is, how do I fulfill my purpose? Okay? So, question number one, who am I? I am a blessed child of Almighty God and a redeemed follower of Jesus Christ. That's not an affirmation. That's truth. Yeah, that's true. Question number two, how do I fulfill my purpose? Um, By... Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Being now. on the Get platform, it makes you nervous. That's all right. That's all right. Oh, who you am got I? It. Why am I here? To honor God, to praise God, and to fulfill God's wonderful plan for my life. Good. That's my purpose. Good. All right. How do I fulfill my purpose? By receiving God's word and the Holy Spirit. By allowing God's word and the Holy Spirit. Get this, to transform me into Christ's image. Good. And by serving and praying for others. Yeah. Sharing the fruit of the Spirit and the good news of the gospel so that the Heavenly Father's will may be done through the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus. With that orientation, with those words, I go into every day. That's who I am and why I'm here. That's fantastic. Thank you, John. Hey, will you guys give him applause for that? Thank you for coming up. Thank you. Thank you. That's very helpful, and I hope that helps you to, to, uh, to have a little bit of a practical application of how this works. So today, the title of my message is, What is My Calling? So in your notes, write that down. What is my calling? We talked about who I am, your identity, what is my purpose. Uh, in fact, when we talked about what your purpose is, uh, your purpose is based upon your identity. And uh, in fact, last week I gave you uh, a little bit of a tool. It looks like this, this little card right here. If you didn't get one, we have several out there at the next uh, table in the foyer. So you can pick up one or more of those on your way out today. And, uh, but, but today I'm talking about something that's also built upon your purpose, and that's called your calling. So your calling involves faith because your calling doesn't uh, rely upon your own strengths or abilities. Now, the example is Abraham, and I asked you to open your Bibles to 11, Hebrews 11, verse uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. And, uh, and this is when Abraham was called to go to the promised land, which we now know as Israel. And, uh, and I want us to look at this. Come on, here it is. Hebrews eleven eight. follow along with me. By faith, Abraham, when he was what? Called. He obeyed. 
Those three words are right. I mean, that, that's, that is really the, uh, the summary of it all. Faith, calling, and obedience. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he left, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as a stranger in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So his eyes were on something eternal, but he was doing what God told him to do in the, uh, in the here and now. So, so Abraham was called and he obeyed, not even knowing his destination. So this is what calling tends to be about. Uh, all he knew is God spoke to him, so he responded in faith. God anointed him, and what he did is he kept his eyes on the eternal. He fulfilled his calling. See, in fact, that's why the nation of Israel exists today, because Abraham stepped out into his calling, and you have no idea what your calling may actually initiate for God's kingdom. So it brings me to today's big question, which is, what is my calling? And, and, uh, and it, I can, if an easy way to state this is that I am anointed to and there's a bunch of X's there you see on the screen. I am anointed to, but I can't fill in the blanks for you. But I want to give you something to think about and to chew on here. See, your calling is an anointing. So in other words, it's something that God sets you apart to do. It's something that God empowers you to do. Now, throughout the Bible, when a person was called and anointed for something, they typically and almost all the time told God things like, hey, wait, I'm not well known enough. I, uh, I'm, I'm underqualified. I'm not good at that. Uh, I have flaws. And so when you begin to feel that, that's, that's, those are the things that we do also. So calling is something that God wants to do through you specifically. It's very, very customized just for you. And the truth is you're always going to feel feel underqualified for the calling because you actually know yourself better than anyone else does. And you know that you can't do it in your own power, your own intellect, and your own strength. So that's why God anoints you for your calling. And that anointing comes from the Holy Spirit. And it's his power that then sets you apart to do something very specific for God. And a lot of times, truth be told, you actually stumble into it. Other times you may have a dream or a vision from God about it. Uh, that's rare. But, but one thing for, is for certain. You do not have to and you should not try to like chase your calling. It's your anointing. It comes to you. Doors are going to open for you and you're going to be able to step into it in confidence because there's an anointing of God in your life even though you may not feel all excited about it. Now, let me explain to you. I have a primary calling and I also have some supporting callings, but my primary calling is this. It is I am anointed to declare God's Christ's life, love, and power through preaching, pastoring, and to influence cities for his cause. That is my calling. Now, so, you know, I, I, I'm a preacher. 
I, I, and I, I have some things that I have to do regarding that. I have to know the scriptures, interpret the scriptures. I have to be able to make the scriptures applicable and to communicate and declare them. I have to lead people into a knowledge of Jesus Christ. I have to use the word of God to rebuke and to train and to correct and to equip people to do the work of the ministry and to shepherd the flock. That's my job description as a pastor. But I experienced uh, this calling in a very unique, uh, almost you could say mystical experience. So when I was three years old, I had a dream. I had a literal physical night dream that I left my bed and, and I left my bed and I went into heaven. I remember it as clear today as I did that morning when I woke up and then I went to heaven and I sat on Jesus' lap and, and I, it was just a very simple, I could just, there was this glow that was around us. And while I was there, very simply, Jesus let me know that I was going to be a pastor. And, uh, and so I thought, well, that's great. And I didn't even tell anybody about it for the longest time. Uh, in, in many ways, I just kind of treasured it in, in my heart, even as a very young child. I didn't tell anyone about it for years because it was, it was so holy. It was so sacred. And I wasn't going to put myself up. You know, a lot of people say, I had a dream of this and this and this and this. And like, guys, you don't, I, I usually don't tell those, those dreams if a dream comes from God. Very, very seldom. But I later on discovered that most people don't have an experience like that when it comes to calling. But I think God needed to give me that experience because as my mother knows, I am very hard-headed and and God made me very hard-headed. So he needed to put this in my brain as a young child so that it would just be branded in me so I wouldn't chase some fantasy or some fleeting passion. Now, your calling doesn't have to be mystical. In fact, seldom it is. Uh, Most of you see me function in that calling that I just described to preach and to pastor, but beneath that primary calling are other callings. And one of them, which, which you sometimes see, is a calling to influence culture through political leaders. Now, let me be very clear. That is nothing I ever sought out I had no original passion for it, but I'm anointed for it. And still to this day, I feel grossly underqualified for it. Here's how that happened. The doors just opened and I walked in. And uh, back in 1996, I I, I asked a missionary friend of mine, I said, I want you to give me the most pagan city in in Mexico. And I want to take take teams down there. We want to see see churches planted. He goes, oh, great. I've got this one city. It's called San Juan de los Lagos. I have this city down there and it is a, it's a mess. People have tried to start churches there for, for years and years and years. There's never been a Christian church established. It's a, it's a heart of idolatry and wickedness right there in, the, in central Mexico. I said, great, let's do it. Took a team of people down there. We began to pray through the streets of San Juan de los Lagos in 1996. And we prayed that God would give us one person that would give us the city. And, and we even was reading the scriptures and said, well, God could give us a sign. And, and we saw literally that sign on a building. We saw the, 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 the signal that this was the building where the person was. I know that sounds crazy, but it, it's what happened. So we went into that building and we didn't know what we were going into. We started looking for this person that was going to give us the city. And what we found was that was actually the headquarters for the city. That was the mayor's office. And, and within a few minutes, we were all, this a team of prayer warriors, we were all standing right there in this, in this mayor's office. And he says, I really like you. I want to get to know you better. And we started saying, yeah, we're going to bring more people.
people. We're going to bring some other business leaders and political leaders. We started making promises to him, and I left, I left that room and said, okay, God's given us the man who's going to give us the city. He said, you can do whatever you want here. And so I came back home, and I, I met with local mayors and, and, uh, and, and, and began bringing, bringing business people down, and we began setting up partnerships with the city, all with the strategy of ultimately setting up a local church, doing huge dramas and, and, and evangelism throughout the entire city. And, and the, the beauty of it is, is through a two-year period, I'd brought uh, several hundred people literally into that, that little town of San Juan de los Lagos. Uh, my mother went. Uh, that's, that's where my son Ian was dedicated to the Lord by your grandfather. You were dedicated on the mission field in that city where, where God was just moving incredibly. And a church was established. And, uh, and uh, according to some of the people who run the national churches, they said it was the first church where they, they actually had the, 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 the lowest low, very impoverished people along with the wealthy going to church together because they don't do that in that country. But that, that broke right there in that city. Uh, so a church was established and pulled these mayors into this project. And one of the mayors uh, was, was a mayor, Rob Frankie. He was the former mayor of, of, uh, of Cedar Hill in southern Dallas County. He was mayor there for 25 years, but at the very beginning of his time as mayor, uh, that's when I invited him down. We built relationship through all of that. Well, I was at a dinner meeting with him seven years ago, sat right across the table from him, and Rob looked at me and said, Tim, I need for you to know something. You changed my life. Now, he, that totally shocked me. This is the mayor. I mean, this is the dude. And, and he said, because of you changing my life, Cedar Hill, Texas is a different city today because of that. Now, I was very humbling. I had no idea that I was impacting a city in the U.S. <laughs> through that calling and anointing, but that was stirring, and it was happening. Uh, later on, in the, year, in the year 2003, I was pastoring in St. Joseph, Missouri, and while I was there, I, uh, we had this wedding reception, and we had this huge room set up for the reception. About 250 people uh, were, were in, this, uh, in this room, and I had officiated the wedding, and I was actually the last person to arrive at the reception, and I saw only one, I looked around the place, I saw only one empty seat, and of course it happened to be the seat next to the mayor. And I was like, well, I don't even know the guy, but whatever. So I just went and sat, and I discovered that I was sitting at the table with the mayor and, and all, all of the city council. And, and he looked at me, and he goes, well, hello, Tim. So he knew me, I, I knew his name, and so I, I greeted him as well. And the first thing he says is, Tim, I want you to know something, I'm an atheist. Like, okay, thank you for telling me that. That just blesses my heart. I mean, that's what I'm thinking at this moment, kind of sweating at this point. But he said, I've seen you on television, and I need your help. He said, there are some cults that are demanding to pray at our city council meetings, and St. Joseph has a proud reputation. We have never allowed prayer in our city council meetings for 150 years. And I'm thinking, okay, you're proud of that, but I, I, I'm not going there and just listening to the guy. He says, but we're going to break that tradition now. And I want you to come and start praying over our city council me meetings. And then I want you to, to get a, other people kind of like you, people like you. And I want you guys to be praying and to take charge of it and send us a person every two weeks to the city council meetings. So I did. And I organized this and set this up. And this went on for years, bringing people in and pastors and business leaders to, to pray invocations over that city which, and, and building relationships with the mayor as a result of that. In, in, uh, in the year 2012, right here in this very room, I was sitting around a table uh, with, uh, with a few people, and, and one of those people happened to be the, the mayor at the time, the Mayor Betsy Price. And, 
And during this conversation, she said, hey, Tim, I want you to come and do invocations for city council. Do you have any experience in that? And I was like, do I have experience in that? <laughs> yeah, uh, of course. And she said, I'm building something called a faith leaders cabinet. No large cities in America has that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And I want you to serve on my cabinet. And then the next thing she says, will you pray for me? I want to give you my personal phone number and I want you to give me yours. And, and then later on, she said, I want you to lead this uh, compassionate Fort Worth initiative for the city. And there again was another breaking in. Uh, today, I, I serve on the faith cabinet as a spiritual advisor also to Mayor Patty Parker. God just continues to allow these things to happen. Now, I don't say that to impress you because really it, that's, that's not it. But I tell you that to say this. I have never felt qualified for that. I never had an initial passion for that. But I'm called and God anointed, God opened the doors, and so God does things through me. Now, I share that with you to let you know, you also have a calling. You have an anointing, and I don't care what your age is or where you are in life, and you may not feel you're good enough or experienced enough, but God can do it through you. And that's exactly what happened all through the Bible. Those people in the scriptures are examples to us. See, when a person is called, they are anointed, and they step out and they do what God tells them to do, even though they might just be saying, I don't know what I am doing, which I have done many times. Callings are varied and they're diverse, but they ultimately make Jesus know. And callings rely upon Holy Spirit anointing to accomplish what it is that you're supposed to do. And we all, we all have callings. Several years ago, I served as what's called a presbyter, and, and that's, that's a, a, a role, a ministry role in a fellowship that, I, that I'm a part of. And part of that role was to oversee ministers in a, in a particular area. There are about 60 of them. And, and part of my duties there were to screen candidates for ministerial credentials. And one of the required questions we ask these candidates is this, how do you know you are called? Tell me about your calling. That's actually a critical question. Because if you're not called to be a pastor, you're going to discover really quick that it's not quite what you thought it was when you signed up for it. Some of the candidates would say, well, I'm really passionate to lead a large church someday. I've heard that before. But they couldn't explain how they were called or when they were called or what that even looked like. And I, I, would, I would tell them in all honesty, I mean, I wouldn't say, yeah, you know, how happy for you. No, actually, what I would say is, well, having a passion to be a pastor doesn't cut it because you have to be called first. If you don't, you're going to hurt a lot of people. You're going to hurt your family and you will very likely even mess up your own life. So having a passion for something doesn't necessarily mean that you're called to it. Think about this. Do you think Joseph in Egypt was passionate about managing food supplies for the world? I don't see that anywhere in the scriptures. I see no evidence of it. But what he did is he, he acted upon something that he was 
called and anointed to do. And then he was able to stir up the passion for it after that happened. He simply walked through the open door that was put in front of him and he rescued a nation and he rescued his own family. Imagine what God might have in store for you if you actually step through the door, allow that anointing to be on your life and walk in obedience to God because calling is about obedience to God. It's not necessarily about a warm fuzzy. It's letting God do something through you. For me, because of my calling, I arrive on Sunday mornings and I have this desire to empty myself, to give, to serve, to preach, to lead, to love, and to pray and to pour out everything that's in here in obedience to God. And, and many times what you don't know is I leave here and just like, ah, there's nothing left. But that's okay. I'm just fine with that because I'm called. You see, and God has called you to something. What is it? God has anointed you. And it may not be uh, even perfected yet in you, but God always perfects what he begins. So my encouragement today is when those doors open, step out, be bold, operate in your calling, and let go of whatever is holding you back because the things that hold us back are going to keep us from our destiny. Sure, some of you, you've been hurt. You've been mistreated. Some of you are abused and put down, but you've got to let it go. So your calling is too important. Stop whining on what has happened to you and begin focusing upon what God is developing through you. I'll say that again. Stop whining about what has happened to you. Focus upon what God is developing through you. See, what happened to you causes brokenness. But then you've got to own that brokenness. See, your brokenness, it's not part of your identity. It's just part of you, which gives, which lets you know you have a greater need for Jesus, his grace, his power, his strength, which will then fuel your calling. And often your anointing and your calling is found in that brokenness when it's filled with the Holy Spirit and it's repaired by the Holy Spirit. Let's be honest, there is pain in this world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, this is so important, that the world is looking and waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, to break the world free from its frustration. That's what we're called to do. That's why we have callings. That's why we're anointed. It is to make Jesus known in unique ways. You hold the key to people's freedom through your calling, through your anointing. And I want to pray for you now. In fact, I'd like everybody in this room to please stand. And I know I've gone a longer than normal today, but I feel that God wants us to hear what's been shared today, especially right now. Lord Jesus, I pray for every man and woman, every young person in this room, and I pray for callings to be revealed. I pray for new reliance upon the Holy Spirit. I pray for divine just infillings of the Holy Spirit, empowerment of the Holy Spirit to to 
drive out the, the, the fears that are holding us back. And God, I pray that you will repair the broken hearts and that even out of brokenness, that people will step into their callings, they'll step into those destinies. And God, that, 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 that people are gonna be different Communities are going to be different. Neighborhoods are going to be different. Homes are going to be different. Families are going to be different because of the callings that are unpacked and released in this room. So I pray this in the name of Jesus that we will be bold and clear in our callings and we'll have the boldness to step through the doors when they are open, even if we're scared to death of what might be on the other side, knowing that you, God, you, God, will anoint us for every step that we have to take. And I pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody said, amen. John, please come and close us. Church, I love you very much. I love you very much. I pour out my heart and my soul to you, believing that what you can do is to take this today, what I've shared in both of these sermons, <laughs> and you will make a difference in your community, that you will be the salt of the earth God bless you, John. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Church podcast. I would love for you to attend one of our worship services right here in downtown Fort Worth. So if you'd like more information, simply go to citylifefw.org. God bless.